Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Hello and welcome to the Do Business Better podcast where we celebrate the self-made and we give you tools to help you become a self-made success yourself. Today, talking to Jackie Harris. Jackie is a 37-year-old San Antonio native that now runs her business in Pearland, Texas. She is a Allstate insurance agency owner. She has her own agency. She's in her sixth year. You might be saying, what am I going to learn from? What am I going to learn from an insurance agent? Well, remember, this is also a small business owner. She has her own shop. She employs five people. It's her butt that's on the line every day, week, and month to make sure that the revenue works. And she's out there selling a product that, let's face it, could be commoditized. Everybody in her sister knows they can get insurance somewhere. She's a University of Houston graduate. She uh, has a degree somewhere in the marketing and selling and business uh, arena. I'll let her tell you more about that. But the point is, let's get right to the show. Let's get to our guest, and that's Jackie Harris. Jackie, thanks for joining me. Thanks for inviting me. This is a pleasure. Um, I, I really am excited to be here with you. I'm excited to be able to talk to you and uh, just talk about business. I love uh, the opportunity to be here. Well, uh, we're glad you came along. You know, there's a lot of different striations of running one's own business. And we've had a lot of different guests on here, you know, whether it's the landscape owner, the, the guy that uh, has a, a brick, a brick laying company or the, the lady that runs the dry cleaners or whatever it might be. There's always something that we can learn from other people that are entrepreneurs, solopreneurs and business owners. And you are one of those folks. So a little bit of backstory, you get out of university of Houston, you know about selling and marketing. You know you want to be in business. You know you need to work. And what would you do when you first started out? Uh, when I first started out, I went to a company that had uh, been big on our campus that had sponsored some of our uh, golf tournaments. And I worked for an insurance, agent, uh, insurance company called uh, Liberty Mutual. I spent a couple of years there. Uh, they'd send you the insurance, kind of insurance school. You take a few tests, uh, you shadow people, you learn about their product and their process of selling. Uh, I spent that, about three years at Liberty Mutual, and then um, I, I, at that time I lived in San Antonio, and I, I thought, well, I really don't like San Antonio. I, I'm from there, and I thought I would like it, but it wasn't the same going back. So when I decided to change, I said, well, let me just try something totally different. So I actually worked for um, a wireless carrier. I worked for Verizon, Verizon for a few years, and I did a lot of like outside sales and corporate training and traveling. Um, and I did that for, I think about, I don't even, a, f a few years, I don't know how many years. And then, um, I looked around and I said, you know what? I really would rather own my own business, use my own marketing ideas, try some of the things I learned out. Um, so I, I, I thought, well, what do I know how to do? And I was like, oh, I still have my insurance licenses. So I went looking for, uh, different opportunities and, the thing I liked about um, the way Allstate runs the ones the franchise model is that there's a there's a pretty um, good starting place for you. You it, it would be difficult to do it straight out of college because you have to have some capital. Uh, but I felt like Allstate was a brand that people recognize, and it was um, they have kind of systems in place to kind of help you 
to show you things that you can do. And I really felt like I could take some of the things that I had learned before and some of the experiences I had had. And then I knew that I could turn that into something that I could grow and then have an impact on different people and in my community and also in my family. Um, and I really wanted to build something that was transferable as a legacy. I don't have kids, but I have two nieces and I really wanted to have something that I could transfer to them, uh, you know, long-term. Yeah, that's great. And I'm thinking here, cause, uh, again, I, I speak at corporate events and association events all over the country and I have for 25 years and I, I started my own thing with, uh, I had three political comedy shows lined up for the rest of my career. When I walked away from my fortune 500, so you, you're out there working for Verizon and, and whatnot. You have your insurance license and you, and there's a lot of people that say, well, why would you walk away from that? Why that's a really promising company, you know, Verizon, aren't those the, can you hear me now people? And you're like 31 years old and you're saying, wait a minute, I think I can do better. Yep. And obviously that's what this whole thing's about is doing better. That's the do business better podcast. That's the do business better book they have coming out. And I, I guess I hear you and I think of a lot of folks that uh, I've talked to over the years and it reminds me of myself and, and you and whatnot. Here's the other part. There might be someone that says, wait a minute, is that talk to some insurance agent? That's not like starting your own business. But as you pointed out, you, they, they didn't bring you a, uh, uh, you know, a million dollars worth of uh, revenue and say here, no, you, you went out and banged on the street. So what's it like starting out? And you mentioned capital requirements. So you got to get an office, you got to print up your promotional material. How's that work? Well, with the way all states model works is you, you, uh, you don't have to pay a franchise fee, but they do make you come in with money. Uh, so you have to show them that you have at least, well, uh, at least a hundred thousand dollars that you have like put away and they want that to be something where you can start uh, marketing or you can start, you know, finding a place. And even though Allstate is, is kind of like a franchise, they really give you a lot of flexibility and they, and the flexibility, it also is a lot of responsibility. So the only thing that you really have is that you can use that, the logo, but beyond that, most of the other stuff is on you. Well, so they've got the commercial. They've got the commercials with the guy with the deep voice. That says, so besides a national, <laughs> a national advertising and marketing campaign, nobody brought you a uh, nobody brought you a file full of clients that were already established and said here. No, they they no. Um, so basically, you kind of go through like a, a six week training school, and in that six weeks, you're also kind of building your pipeline of people to talk to. So some of the big things that I did were because I'd been in insurance before, I knew this, the places that were going to be the best places to go. So I worked on first my warm circle of people, but you knock those out really quickly. You can do that really quickly, but then you got to kind of find systems of people that you know are always doing something. So connecting a lot with uh, realtors and lenders, mortgage lenders, because that's a great time for you to get people that are in the pipeline. And typically once you get somebody in their home insurance, you can go to the other lines of business that we offer. Uh, the other place that we help people is like um, car dealerships, Sometimes that's, that's a, a mixed bag because many times people already have an, a relationship and if they don't have a relationship, a lot of times it's not our, our target client or our best client. Um, and then from there, it's just getting that plugged into the community, uh, doing school events. And it's not because, you know, that the kids are always coming up to me to buy insurance, but when you get plugged into school events, it gives you more um, community recognition. It gives you more opportunities to talk to people. And then it gives you just the opportunity to be more of a trusted advisor uh, for people. And it's, it's really, when I, when I get more involved in community events and local things, 
it's kind of the things that help separate me from the next agent down the road or uh, from calling some 1-800 number, you know, or, or shopping online. So, you know, when you get connected locally, they recognize me, they know that they can expect certain things from my, me or my team. Every time you call, you get the same, you know, you get the same person that's helping you with your problem. So those are the, those are the things that I've, that I had the experience and learn and grow with. And that's how it was starting off in the business. Yeah, so it's obviously a challenge, like everything, and while you can't say, oh, well, I invented insurance, because uh, there's some folks listening to this podcast like, well, I created this, it, you still have to ha exhibit a certain amount of creativity in how you go about finding a book of clientele. So there's a certain creativity there. You talked about what you do. Is there anything I missed, and is there, is there a creative side of you that has helped you? Definitely. Um, with insurance, it's something that can easily be seen as a commodity. So you're always trying to find things that separate yourself, find things that make you unique. And one of the things that I've really been able to do is connect with uh, social media. Um, I do a lot of things just uh, targeting people at, like in my um, radius bringing them, bringing them to the office for educational seminars. Uh, we try to do things like home buyer seminars or educating people about credit. And then we kind of partner with other businesses that do similar services that we don't compete with. Uh, it helps to, to have a, a big chunk of people that I can talk to and a big chunk of people that they can talk to. And we're just basically trying to offer services to people and we do more of a share information and then have them come to us. Um, yeah, so, so what I'm hearing there is uh, Jackie, you might say, all right, I'm going to go with uh, my local bank friend. Uh, they want to obviously make mortgages uh, for home buyers. Uh, so we're going to put on a first time home buyers educational thing in June. And if you think you're going or March, cause you know, everybody's gonna start buying their houses in the spring. If you're looking at buying a house, come here, we'll tell you what you need to know. We're going to have a banker to tell you what you need to know about getting your paperwork in order. We're going to have a home inspector and we're going to have me talk about insurance. Then you get all the you need, money inspect, you know? And so that just sort of is, and you, you host that and you put out what cookies and, and, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. And then, but you also can't be a hard pitch when you do that. You can't get them in there and pull the boiler room uh, timeshare sales, can you? That's true. Uh, that, that's 100% correct. Nothing then, up and split. Yeah, people don't like that hard sell in that, in that setting. A lot of people, when you're giving them the service or you're giving them education information, um, you know, it helps, it helps with the marketing piece of it and it helps people trust you early and then kind of let their guard down and help you become the person that they trust for anything that they need. Got it. Okay. You got five employees. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't have, uh, this is one area where I struggle a little bit. It's the curse of the self-employed. I work for myself. I work for all my clients and I work with myself and with my wife and then occasionally freelancers. Uh, I've had employees a couple different times. It's a real struggle for me. What's the biggest struggle for you having an employee? Uh, mainly it's helping them be motivated and accountable. Um, that's employees are a constant struggle that I would say <laughs> we <laughs> a business, those are, they're always, there's always something going on. Um, there's always like, you know, a personal issue or somebody not feeling well or somebody not wanting to do the job. And it's definitely something where I really try to like, have like weekly check-ins and just say, Hey, this is what we said that you were going to do. Um, I would say the two big things are helping people set their own goals 
So when, like we just uh, started the year. So we just went through and said, okay, hey, this is what we did last year. Where do you see yourself? And then I, I you know, try to help guide people to where they see themselves. And when you can help people, you know, envision what they want and it becomes them taking ownership of their goals, yeah. them taking ownership of the things that they're important to them, it helps with every time I have to check in and say, well, you said that you wanted this, but you only made this many phone calls. You know, what can I do to help you? How can I, you know, and then, you know, it's, that's a big part of it. And also being able having to do the things that you don't like to do, having to crack the whip on people, having to let people go when it doesn't work out and, moving on and waking up another day. They, you are the owner. And there's the old thing that's been explained to me by all kinds of folks is that uh, they're not going to be as driven as you. And what's interesting is there's the employee that bitches about the boss that says, well, she comes in here at nine o'clock and leaves at three. And they want me to be in here from seven 30 to five. That person doesn't realize you also work weekends. You also, it's your money. That's up, uh, you know, up against the, the, the wall on that. And it's you that probably is, putting all sorts of effort in it behind the scenes. And that's one thing that I would struggle with. Like, I don't need employees judging what I've done. You know, trust me, I'm all in. I've been all in since 1990. <laughs> so I'm sure there's some of that. Um, but you got to keep things from being petty. And that's probably a, a, a challenge also because of the old uh, little office politics. That's definitely a challenge. Uh, luckily, my team that I have now, I've had them for a little while. And I have two people that, the two people that are, they work virtually. So they work basically from home virtually to help support the stuff that we need done. Um, and I think that adds to people being a little bit happier. They don't get the full-time benefits that the other people do, but they have the flexibility and they still are making some money for their family and whatever their goals are. Jackie, today, your business compared to the finish of the first year. Uh, so after five years down, uh, uh -huh. you, are you, are you three times the amount of business, five times, 10 times? Um, I think about six times where I was from the first year. And so that pace of growth becomes hard to maintain. And that's what a lot of business owners and business people are saying like, Hey man, it's unreasonable for me to double again next year because I'm at such a bigger number than I was three years ago. Uh, how do you put that in perspective? That is true. And, um, we have gone up as far as employees overhead before. Um, and now we've kind of par pared it down a little bit to where, I try to strike a balance because the other thing that happens in insurance is there's a part, we do have to grow constantly, but once now that we have a certain number of people, we have to service the book. Uh, we have to maintain those people and keep them so that we cut down on our costs. Cause for, for us, as with any other business, it's a lot cheaper to keep our clients that we have and to continue to expand on what they have. So when they have kids, they'll always go to us. But one of the things for me is to always, um, I had to go, I, I did go up high and I had more, a couple of more staff members, but we weren't growing enough to support that. So now we're at a point where we are servicing the book in a, in a way that I'm satisfied that the way we're doing it. And then we're also uh, still growing at a steady pace to help 
outpace the loss of customers due to attrition and death and all the things that go along. Well, that's the thing is that is that all of us that are service providers and I, I being one myself, I have a client that retires. I have a client that dies. I have a client that gets fired and is not long to be in that role anymore. I have uh, clients that work for two different companies and that those two companies merge. And so they don't need me twice. They need me now only once. Uh, there's all those kinds of reasons. So you are constantly trying to rebuild your book. You said something interesting uh, that I think a business lesson that everybody can take something from is less costly for you to grow the book of business you have versus to find new prospects. The old thing of to take a customer you have right now and do more business with that is easier than to find another new customer. But you've got to do both because if all of a sudden I'm all stacked up with, you know, Joe, Joe over here and Joe dies, you just lost not only his car insurance, but his house insurance, his business insurance, his liability insurance, his wife's health insurance, his disability policy, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot. Those can be uh, reverberating consequences. So that is true. <laughs> yeah, it is true. That is still a big, a big piece of what we need to do as business owners is, you know, maintain the people that we have and then, you know, treat them with respect and then keep growing for the new people. You set goals, Jackie. I do. Um, it's yeah, it's a big cornerstone of what I do. How do you set goals? I set mine in three categories, business, personal, and financial. What do you do? Uh, I do personal financial and well, and then travel. So I guess that could fall under, <laughs> that could fall under personal, but I really take a, a, a dedicated effort to focus on more traveling. Um, because of what I do, I don't, I used to have a job where I traveled all the time, but because of this job, I don't travel necessarily for work. So now I have to make a concerted effort to constantly look for new places to explore. On your professional goals, when, where, where you want to do professionally, do you pull it out and look at it? Because that's how I think it's pretty powerful is forcing yourself uh, once a week to pull it out and say, wait a minute, am I on track? Do you do that once a week, once a month? Okay. So I do it about once a month, but I probably should do it more often because sometimes, um, when you get bogged down with the day-to-day -day life, you forget, you know, what you started off with saying you were going to do. And since you just said getting bogged down with a uh, day-to-day life, this is a great one, Jackie, I'm going to ask you, uh, I've asked a lot of business people this and business owners and entrepreneurs, cause we always, it's one of those things that people with normal jobs sometimes don't understand when they say, well, do you have lots to do? I said, I could work all the time because it's my own, it's my own shit. You know, it's a matter of, do I go over here and write another book? Do I go over here and uh, work more on promotion? Do I go over here and start calling people that are past clients saying, Hey, you haven't used me for you. There's all kinds of things I could do. You could, so there's plenty of things to do in your week. And then it becomes a matter of uh, apportioning it. But one thing that you do is you look at what you're not getting done. If I gave you four more hours per week, if I could just magically create four more hours, what would you do? How would you spend them? Um, okay. So I would spend at least one hour. Well, I would spend if I would break it out for four hours, one hour I would spend on some sort of self care. So I would get one massage or a facial or something. that's just me for one hour. Uh, the next hour, I would spend some time t having quality conversations with some of my friends or some of the people that I love. Um, uh, because I'm not, I don't, I don't have, um, I do have like my parents and my, my siblings and I have some nieces. I spend a lot of time with them, but I also have a lot of friends that I have rich relationships with, with the third thing and the, and the three or four hours, what I would do is study, um, study more about financials, uh, because I do also do retirement. So I would study about that because that's constantly changing. 
And the fourth thing I would do, the fourth hour, I would work on studying automation because with insurance, uh, as with most things, automation has become a big piece of our business and uh, that is definitely the trend. So I would want to be studying what's the trend, where are we going, how can I make myself there earlier? Um, as you know, as anything, I would not want to become the, uh, you know, the, the dinosaur. You don't be outdated. I love, what you, I love what you did there, Jackie. If I gave you four more hours, you would divide them and use one hour for self-care per week, one hour of your new found hour per week. You would work on enriching your relationships, your third hour, studying your business, making yourself stronger within your industry. And then the fourth one you said, learn automation because you don't want to be outdated and antiquated as the technology continues to move forward. You know what? That's probably good enough advice right there that every single person should take it. I think we're going to leave it there, Jackie. If you got four more hours per week and you divided them that way, self-care, relationship enrichment, studying and, and making yourself stronger within your business and then learning automation. Last thought, last idea, last thing you want to say that any business person can benefit from Jackie Harris. Um, always work on yourself because when you don't take care of yourself, when you don't take care of your health, there's nothing else left for anybody else. Uh, sometimes we try to be as business owners. I have, and I know many other people have are guilty of like not warning, like taking care of warnings of your body, taking care of warnings of your health, worrying about like your mental health, uh, letting stress get to you or letting things pile up. Um, I would always say, as much as you love your business, as much as you love your craft, work on yourself, work on your body. Because again, if there's no you and you're the, you're the sole business, if you're the brand, if there's no you, there's no brand. Uh, so make sure that you take care of you. That is fantastic advice because yeah, we're so driven. We want to build our thing. We want to do everything with the phones ringing. You're, you're skipping through lunch because you've got to get to the next appointment and you're just, and all of a sudden after a few weeks or months or whatever the grind is, you say, damn, I need a little break here and I need to take care of myself. And so, yeah, I think that's a great advice. Jackie Harris has been my guest here on the do business better podcast. If anybody's just curious, and they want to reach out. They can find her at J Harris Two. Jay Harris, the numeral two at allstate.com. Is there anything else? Uh, nope. I thank you for having me. And well, thank you for being on. You gave some great input, some great information from a small business owner uh, in her sixth year and still growing successfully. Thanks a lot, Jack, for being on. All right. All right. Till next time, it's the Do Business Better podcast. I'm your host, Damian Mason.